In John chapter 9, we have an account of Jesus giving sight to a man that was born blind. The disciples asked him on that occasion, Who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus responded by saying, Neither did this man sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And then in verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. If you have a job, then there are certain responsibilities that have been given to you. And in the workplace, whether we like it or not, we're accountable for what we do or, in some cases, what we do not do. Those of you who are students, you understand the magnitude of taking care of your studies. If you have assignments, then it's your responsibility to complete them. If you don't, then ultimately you're accountable to your teacher. Remember many years ago hearing about a young fellow that was in a class. An assignment was given to write a paper. When the time came for the paper to be turned in, he began to offer a number of reasons why he was unable to complete that paper. He said, in all reality, I've just had too many irons in the fire. And the instructor looked at him in the eyes and he said, I suggest you build a bigger fire. So we're all accountable with regard to the responsibilities that have been entrusted into our care. In John chapter 9, Jesus talks about His accountability and responsibility to the Father. I think that there are some lessons that emerge out of a study of John 9 verse 4 that I want to share with you in our study of the day. First and foremost, I want you to key in on that personal pronoun. Jesus said, I. That's personal, isn't it? When I look at the life of Jesus, one of the things that really stands out about His life is the fact that He took ownership of the work that was before Him. The Lord Jesus Christ was interested in the Father's work. And not just merely interested in that work, but Jesus invested in that work. And so, as you begin to look at some of the things that He says throughout His ministry, to remember that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was willing to leave heaven to come to earth to pay the price for our sins. Now, I want you to just let this sink in for a minute. Jesus was fully God. And yet, Jesus, as the second member of the Godhead, was willing to leave the glories of heaven. So we talk about His interest in doing the Father's work. And more importantly, His willingness to invest in that work. Why do you think He left the glories of heaven? There's no way I will ever be able to, with my finite mind, be able to understand what the Lord Jesus laid aside to come to earth. 
I do know that John said in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In verse 3, John said, All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In John 1 verse 14, John said, The Word became flesh. Now Paul said, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now listen to what he said. Who existing in the form of God, counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather, as Paul would say, He was made in the likeness of men, found in fashion as a man. So here is the God-man, the Christ. So why then did Jesus come to earth? The Hebrew writer tells us, He came to earth to taste of death for every man. That's inclusive of all. And you remember the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 said, talking about the Father, He spared not His own Son, but freely delivered Him up for us all. Was God the Father interested in us as members of the human family? Without question. When you go back and look at everything that God created, Genesis chapter 1 reveals to us the creative power of Almighty God. The crown of His creation, however, was mankind. Well, why is that? Because we have been made in His image and likeness. And God has housed within each of us a spirit, an eternal spirit, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. That spirit will live forever. And so God, in recognizing the fact that man given the freedom to make choices in life, would at some point in time stand in need of a Redeemer because of sin. So God had a plan in place before time began. When man sinned in the garden, God immediately began unveiling that redemptive plan. So in John chapter 9, when Jesus said, I, The work of the cross was personal. Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to myself. Now, there's a second thing I want to call your attention to in our study. First, think about his personal work. But then, secondly, the priority of his work. Jesus said, I must. That's an obligation, isn't it? Now, Jesus willingly took upon Himself that role of servanthood. The obligation that had been entrusted into His care, the redemption of the human family. Just a moment ago, we partook of the Lord's Supper. When I look at that screen and reflect upon what occurred at Calvary, a moving, that is a very moving thought, isn't it? To just try to visualize in your mind that Jesus Christ was willing to die in our stead. That He was willing to fulfill that obligation, the debt for man's sin. So what about that priority? You remember in Luke chapter 2, 
We have an account of Jesus along with his parents, Mary and Joseph. They made their way to Jerusalem to observe the Passover feast. The Passover being a very special event in the life of the Jewish family. So after the Passover had concluded, his family began making their way back home. They get about 20 miles down the road and they realize Jesus is not with them. So they go back to Jerusalem, and where do they find Jesus? You remember? He's in the temple, isn't he? And he's sitting and he's listening to those experts in the law. And no doubt they were astonished at what the Lord Jesus understood. So when Mary and Joseph found him, his mother wanted to know, Why have you done this to us? And Jesus said, Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? At the tender age of 12, just a lad, Jesus understood why he was on planet Earth. In Mark 6, or rather in Matthew 16, we have the account of Jesus. He's in the coast of Caesarea Philippi, which is the northern part of Palestine. And he's wanting to know what people are saying about his identity. And remember, Peter speaks up and says, Look, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And based upon that confession, Jesus then promises to build the church. And then in verse 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then Matthew says, from that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and raised again from the dead. And then the Bible says that Peter, now imagine Peter, of all the disciples, it's easy to understand and identify with the mindset of Peter. Peter many times would speak before he thought about what he's going to say. The Bible says that Jesus, after having said that, was rebuked by Peter. Now, can you imagine that? Peter said, far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said then to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense, a stumbling block to me. Well, why, Lord? Because you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So Jesus understood something about His priority. We would say that the cross, the work of the cross, was priority number one. The work before Him, it was personal. The work that we are involved in at Olive Branch, it is a personal work, isn't it? Now listen, I understand. I am a minister. Jared is a minister. But technically speaking, we are all ministers. This isn't my work. It's not the elders' work. Nor is it the deacon's work, it's our work. 
to gather. We're all to be involved in the work. That is a personal, personal thing. But then also it must be a priority. We all have responsibilities. We all have things that are going on in life, and the Lord understands that, whether it be school and work or work and school or whatever. We have family responsibilities, obligations. But what really needs our priority is the work of the kingdom. That's why Jesus would say to the people of His day, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's why the Apostle Paul would say, Set your mind on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. Why? Because that's the Father's business. That's our business. We all have a responsibility to fulfill in this congregation. Why? Because we're all ministers. Now, it might be the case that we're not on the staff, but we're still ministers. We still have a personal stake in the work of the church in this community. Now, there is a third thing I want to share with you. First, we talk about it was a personal work. Secondly, the work was a priority. Thirdly, however, there was a purpose behind the work. Now, look at the life of Jesus. Go back and begin sifting through His ministry here upon this earth. The Lord Jesus didn't cover a lot of territory in His lifetime, did He? But where He went, He made a tremendous impact. So what about His will and His work? Did you know that for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, His will was to do the Father's will? His work was to do the Father's work. Well, how do I know that? Because here's what Jesus said in John chapter 6 at verse 38. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. In John 4 verse 34, Jesus said, My work is to do the work of Him who sent me. In John chapter 17, here is Jesus in the shadow of the cross. And in that context, He is praying for believers of all ages that we might be one, united in our efforts for His cause. But Jesus would say, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. What about Gethsemane? When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, wrestling with the weight of the cross that loomed before Him, did Jesus anticipate the blessings that would result from His work on Calvary? Do you remember the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 12 said, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God? So here's a question. How could Jesus look at the cross with joy? I think the answer lies in the fact that He understood the end result of the cross would be beneficial to us. Now, listen, we are 20 centuries removed from when Jesus died on Calvary. And yet as Jesus prayed in the garden, He had us in mind, didn't He? 
So here's the Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane. And He is wrestling with the weight of the cross. Three times Jesus says to the Father, Not my will, but your will be done. Subjugating His will to the Father's will. Recognizing that God had placed upon His shoulders a work. A redemptive work. And do you remember the Bible tells us, talking about the Christ, that He is the one that has reconciled us to the Father. Paul would say all things are of God, who has reconciled all things to Himself by or through Jesus Christ. So we have the opportunity to enjoy fellowship with God. The Lord Jesus understood His purpose. So I want to ask you a question this morning. When it comes to the work of the church, locally speaking, do you understand your purpose? We all have a purpose here, don't we? We're not here randomly, but rather we're here, we all have a task to do. When the Lord Jesus Christ called His disciples, you can go back and read about when He called Peter and Andrew, James and John in Matthew 9, you can see Jesus in the home of Matthew, a tax collector, encouraging Him to serve Him. What did He see in those men? The Lord Jesus saw potential in those men. And His work would later become their work. Because Jesus said before ascending to heaven, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then He said, Teaching them to observe all things. Now you go back and you look at that ragtag band of apostles or disciples. Some of the problems, personal problems that they may have faced in their service to the Lord. But then to bear in mind that these men literally revolutionized the world, the first century world, the Roman world, didn't they? Can we do the same today? The answer is yes. We have the same God. We have His Word. We have God on our side. And Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? We have every resource known to man. God placed us in this nation, a nation of wealth, city of wealth, a state of wealth, so that we might lift high His work in a lost and dying world. Now there's a fourth thing I want to share with you. It has to do with His period of work. Listen again to what Jesus said, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night's coming when no man can work. If you go back and read in the book of Luke, do you remember the text tells us that Jesus began His ministry at about the age of 30. How long did His ministry last? Do you remember? Jesus ministered on earth for a period of about three or three and a half years. And what Jesus is saying in this context is, I have got a lot of work before me, but 
just a little time. So I've got to work the works of Him who sent me while to this day before death comes. What if God said you have three years? Whatever you need to do, whatever you want to do, you better get it done because at the end of three years, your time's up. What would you accomplish for God? Remember Jonah? The Bible tells us that God said to Jonah in the long ago, I want you to preach the preaching that I bid you. Jonah's message was concise. No misunderstanding the clarity of that message. And Jonah said, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overcome or destroyed. 40 days. Now, that's not a lot of time. In 40 days, the work, the preaching, the teaching of Jonah resulted in the sparing of a city. A city that later was destined to be destroyed about a hundred years later. But the point is, he only had 40 days. Now look, I don't know how much time we have left. I hope and pray that we all have a lot of time before us. But there are no guarantees. You remember Moses wrote in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days. Paul would say in Ephesians 5, 16, redeem the time. Whatever time we have left on earth, we need to use to the glory of God. We've talked about being salt and light, and we are to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We're to make a difference in this world. That responsibility is not just my responsibility, not just Jared's, not the elder, it's our responsibility, isn't it? So you think about that period of time that Jesus had here on earth. 33 short years, and the Lord was gone. Ascended to heaven, now seated at the right hand of Almighty God. Suppose the Lord were on earth today. And Jesus said to you, I want you to go to lunch with me today. Let's just talk about my work in this community. And by the way, here are the keys. It's your responsibility. Would you have the foresight, the vision, to make His work happen in this community? So what's your point? The Lord, the Lord placed a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of Jesus. With that responsibility came accountability. Do I think God's going to hold me responsible for what I do in this community? For what I do with this church? Let me answer that with one word, yes. I am responsible. God's going to hold me responsible for what I have done since I have been here. I'm not accountable for what went on here prior to my coming, nor are you. But for the length of time that we are here, we are accountable to Almighty God. You have a role to play. I have a role to play. We're all to work together. And if we're not working together, if we're not doing what we can, if we don't understand the urgency 
of the time before us. If we don't understand that urgency, we need to. If the Lord were to come back in three years, and we stood before Him, and He said to each of us, I gave you every resource, every opportunity to make a difference in this community. And then He asked us, what do you do with it? What will you say? When it's all said and done, what will you say about your time spent right here in this city, in this community, in this state, at this point in time? Paul would say it like this, that we are stewards of God. And if a steward, we're to be found faithful. So you look at the life of Jesus. Boy, he teaches a lot, doesn't he? Impressed upon the people of his day, the urgency of his work. And here's Jesus Time on earth is coming to a close. And he said, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night's coming when no man can work. 100 years from now, there's a possibility, maybe a small infant, a child, if the Lord delays His coming, will still be living. But in all probability, a hundred years from now, not a single one of us will be here. Is work important? Yes. School important? Yes. Family obligations important? Again, yes. All of those things are important. But what ought to take precedence in our lives? Spiritual things. Sometimes it's so hard to stay focused and to stay faithful in the work that has been entrusted into our care. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Do you want to go to heaven? I know you want to go to heaven. I don't know of many people that wouldn't want to go to heaven. So what would you need to do to become a child of God today? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Would you be willing to repent of your sins, that is to walk away from a life associated with the world, to confess the name of Christ before others, to be buried with Him so that all your sins can be washed away as recorded by Luke in Acts 2 verse 38. God will put you in the church. The beauty of that is you become one of His children. And as one of His children, you have the opportunity to serve Him gladly, daily. To live for Him so that one day you can live with Him. It might be that you're here today and maybe your life's not in focus. Maybe your life has lacked direction, clarity. So what I want to encourage you to do is rethink where you stand. Resolve today to be about your Father's business. So we stand and sing.